The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by Unity.org. Discover the transformative power of inner voice, a tarot deck of affirmations. Explore your true self, seek guidance, and find empowerment through ancient wisdom and modern insight. To learn more, visit go.unity.org forward slash tarot. Welcome to the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, where we explore nighttime dreams, daytime desires, and the best ways to transform the tragic into magic. Because let's face it, we all dream, we all have our blessings, and we all have our challenges, myself included. And I don't want any of us to take any of those things lying down, if you know what I mean. I just wrote a book entitled, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste. I'm excited to explore the topic with you, whether it relates to your waking or sleeping dreams, because we're dreaming all the time, people. So let's make it the best dream possible. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. (sighs) Heather Ash. Oh my heavens. I hope you can see me. I hope you can hear me. I know that Heather Ash is in um, is in France right now, and the the internet might be a little wonky, or it might be mine. But recently, yay! yay. Recently, this amazing woman who I've loved for many a year, and I've been, had the blessing of interviewing Heather Ash before. But um, last year, there was an incredible fire, wildfire in New Mexico, and it torched her gorgeous um, property and recently heather ash just she posted a blog that oops i where'd she go hopefully she'll come back (laughs) but recently she posted a blog called making lemons out of lemonade out of the ashes but first um but first let's like what did she say it's First, let's squeeze the juice out of your tears, rage, and despair. So she talked about some stuff that really, really inspired me um, around, in particular, the issue of when people go through something difficult, not being so quick to put on the happy face or do the, the thing where we try to cheer them up too quickly. So hopefully she'll be jumping back on, (laughs) I pray. (laughs) And if she doesn't, I'm just gonna tell you about her piece. So um, she said, it only took one day after the wildfire for the bright optimism to start. There are pine trees that need fire to grow. It'll all come back quickly. Honey, now you can start over. And she talks about how she is one of the most optimistic, cheerful, easygoing and curious people she knows, but after the fire in May 22, May 2022, um, people virtually patted her back and said, ah, oh, honey, it's going to be okay. She found herself becoming furious. I fucking went through a major wildfire and the ground is still smoking and my community is devastated and my land looks like Mordor and give me a friggin' moment to catch my breath and grieve. So she, wow. I don't even know if you guys can see me. 
maybe not. <laughs> this is wonky, but let's see. Heather Ash, are you still there, honey? Um, I'm going to keep going and hope that you jump in. Let me see. Ooh. Okay, well, hey, this is a this is a high quality problem. You are having a moment of reprieve in a beautiful, beautiful place in France. And I was just telling everybody while we were dealing with the disconnection issue about this incredible blog that you posted that out of the ashes. And it's interesting that, you know, your your name is Heather Ash, so we have to just acknowledge that maybe you're like, I don't know, there's something here, but make lemons from the ashes. But first squeeze the juice of your tears, rage and despair. Okay, so people have heard enough about me. Your, your blog really inspired me. I think we all really need to read this and we can all get it. We can go to heatherash.com, heatherashamara.com. What's the best? Yeah, heatherashamara.com. And then Substack is heatherash.substack.com. Heatherash.substack. Okay, so what I feel like I want to talk about the the best ways to work with people or to be with people that have gone through something horrible and like the things to not do. So you talked about a lot of the platitudes that people sent you and and you weren't shaming anybody, but how how when did people get it right? What was the best way for you having gone through something so radical? I'm so sorry, mm. by the way. Mm, thank you. You know, it's interesting because when we don't have context for something, it's really hard to know how to connect. Yeah. And so the people that were able to connect the most were, of course, people that had gone through fire, that have had their own experiences of either fire scare, yeah. but mostly my friends that lost their houses in fire yeah. and the people in my community that were, you know, all of us knew what we were navigating because we were all in it together uh, in northern New Mexico. So the the level of depth and understanding and I see you and you know, being able to show up with the pain was really beautiful with people that have been through. And it makes total sense. So where I struggled was the people that, and and I always wanted to say this, and I, I didn't say this in my article, but I hope it came through. I don't remember any specific person. Like this was not about like, I'm like carrying around this like anger at these people. Like, I don't right. remember it yeah. was more a feeling sense that so often in spiritual community, we have used our like, it's all going to be fine. And, and this place of jumping over the pain to get to the lemonade, as I said, of like, let's just add sugar and it'll be fine, is what I was really struck by as I was going through that process. And so mm. that's what I wanted to bring with the article is that it's important for us to settle in and know there's a process when someone's in grief and to, to really learn how do we meet them where they are rather than trying to rush over to get to the, the other side. Oh, and you talked about what you actually showed a video that this was so powerful about mm -hmm. what like after a fire, like the the time that it takes kind of the time-lapse camera of of these new pieces of root system in the mice i don't know how to pronounce that 
mycelium mycelium, like Mm -hmm. finding each other and it takes time it's not like tomorrow and you said something about putting the like a fresh pot of something that looks pretty and new but that could actually be poisonous can you speak to that or toxic i mean not poisonous but yeah that video is so epic so one of the the gifts that's come out of the fire is some connections with some incredible humans that are doing really big restoration work focusing on the soil um and so i've been learning a lot about what soil needs to restore and in a forest as we've been you know scientists are studying forests more and more is that there's a whole underground network of fungi that is is actually helping the the trees communicate and bringing nutrients to the there's a it's a beautiful symbiotic relationship they bring nutrients they bring information to the trees and when you have a fire part of the issue is that if the fire burns really hot it actually kills everything it kills the soil it kills and what it's killing is the mycelium so we have areas in the land that it burns so hot that the land is sterilized. And, you know, before there used to be this, this thought of like, it'll always come back, mm. but it's not true anymore. And I don't know if it was ever true. Um, yes. But, you know, forests, there is, there are burns that it's incredibly beneficial. And like, there's lots of places in the land. It's gorgeous right now. However, because we're in a desert, because of climate change and because of the soil getting sterilized, unless you tend to it, it does, it desertifies. And it may be nothing comes back in those areas because so much has been killed. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're finding out like in Colorado, they, they started to look at the big fires that happened in Colorado and they're like, Oh, it's not growing back. Whoa, it's become something else. It's become, it's become a desert. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and it, yeah. you know, as part of the heartbreak is we had, you know, 80-year-old pine trees. It had been burned before, so it was a young forest. Um, but it may be we don't, the trees don't regrow there because it may go back to being grasslands. So there's a lot of experimentation and it does start in the soil. It starts on the invisible realm of supporting the mycelium to come back to Mm. feed the soil and then putting Mm. the trees into that and doing a bunch of experiments to see how we can support the land. So that little platitude of it all comes back isn't true. So one thing that I really related to, I mean, you talked about how you are and in, like you're an enthusiast, your your nickname a long time ago was Pixie. I mean, you're like a happy bunny and you tend to be somebody who finds the bright side of things. And I can relate a lot to this. And and we're, I mean, I felt, I felt, um, I know you didn't mean to do this, but I felt like my own little shame, like, oh God, was I one of those people? Oh my God, did I throw a platitude at her? Oh God, oh God, oh God. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and I know like some people kind of, they rely on our optimism and our upbeatness, but God, it's a fine line between being there. And I think the only way we maybe know how to navigate is to touch into what we needed when we were going through those things. When I was in New Mexico, when I was living at Jenny Gentry's property, that was during a time I wrote about this in A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, how Dana and I were adopting a child 
and she died the day before we were going to get her. And it was like, my heart was, it was like my own forest fire in my heart. And the only person during that time really that I was able to relate to was somebody who had lost their best friend suddenly. And there was like this, this connection, like, okay, you can relate. All right, I'll let you in. And, and there was really just the being with it and everybody else. I just wanted them to be kind but to not speak really. Yeah, don't like say anything. Just, just be loving. Yes. Give, bring food, that's fine. Food is always good, that's always welcome. But but what did you think, what did you find to be the most helpful for you? Was it the quiet mouth and, and arms or the yeah, other people? Yeah, a lot of times it was the quiet of people just saying, what do you need? What would be supportive to you now? And even like, I try to do that too of like, if I don't know what to say and I can't, if I can't relate, cause it's so true when, when we've had similar experiences, we find somebody that's have a similar experience. It's such a relief of like, you get it. Yeah. And such a joy to have a partner or a human that like can be with you in the pain and in the sorrow and that really sees you. And then I think what's helpful then if you don't have that experience to be loving, to show, to be grounded and present, you to talk, just show up and be grounded and present. You said something in the piece towards the end about a woman that you saw that was clearly mm -hmm. going through something and you lived a world apart. And can you talk about what your impulse was and what you did in that moment with this with a yeah. human that was sort of a stranger but going through something clearly yeah it was somebody that had, our paths have crossed many times and and we've had a lot of interaction over the years but we live in different countries i didn't know what was going on with her life but when i saw her it was obvious something terrible had happened and i knew enough to not say what's wrong and I also could feel like what she needed was me just to be there and love her and show up. And she asked me, you know, it kind of started like, how are you? And I shared a little bit about the fire. Um, and, and then I looked at her and I said, and how are you, sweetheart? And just waited and just opened my heart and, and held. You don't have to tell me everything, anything. You can tell me everything. I'm not going to try and fix you. I'm just here. And then she opened up about having lost her husband and her grief and her just complete loss. And this is a very grounded, very strong woman who was unmoored, completely unmoored, as she should be, as she should be. And so there was no, I need to fix her. I need to say the right thing. It was just let her talk. Let her know that it's okay for her to be in as much grief as she is. Let her know I'm here. And I, I, at one point I said, if you need anything, I'm here. I'm always here for you. Mm. And, and just held that place of tenderness and like feeling my own loss and holding my own loss. And I think that's the, the beauty is that when we can relate to the places we've had loss, and not go to, oh, and I got through the loss, right. but go into the heart of it. And like, what was it, that place of being in the middle of the loss? Then we can show Ooh. up with people. 
Yeah. Yeah. So there are a few things that you just said I want to highlight. I like that you didn't ask what's wrong. Like that is such an interesting and important thing because it's as if to say on the con on the opposite end of that, that that grieving, crying, being devastated is wrong. No, it's an appropriate response to that a feeling person would have to a a legitimate circumstance so it's not wrong but but like how are you and to be a, to be that space and i'm here these are some and and i i think i want to i want to admit this because that i have some shame around it i don't like you lined up with this woman at the right time at the right place like there's there's a lot of people going through a lot of stuff and maybe not everybody is who we're meant to tend to there was someone i knew that was going through a terrible loss who i attempted to hold a space for and after hours of her kind of going like kind of ranting and raving which i felt was obviously appropriate i kind of reached my own limit and she was like, she was furious at me that I didn't have more. And I was like, oh my God, I felt like I myself was gonna die. <laughs> like I, I need to, I need to go. And and it was and it was awful. Like I I because I so wanted to be her hero. And I feel like I can be the hero and the like be there for so many people, but I couldn't be there for her. And like so how do we i mean what do you do mm -hmm. in a situation when that is when that's the case like we have our own limits like we can't always be everything for everybody as much as we might want to oh god i can't believe yeah. i got that out of my mouth i hope oh, i'm so glad you did because oh that's so hard yeah so yeah hard. She, she was like clearly you haven't been through something i'm like clearly you haven't read my book because clearly i've been through a lot yes but I, I'm not everybody's everything as much yeah. as I so want to be. I think maybe we need a community. We, we need, need multiple people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And my, my friend McKenna that I'm staying with now in France and I were talking about this because she, she also read the article and she's like, I feel bad. I know I wasn't there for you. And she tracked because she was like, why wasn't I there for you? The day, I think the day of the fire her best friend committed suicide. So literally our conversation was like, Beth just died. And I'm like, I am so, you know, like, so sorry. Can't really support you, girl. You know, yeah. and she like yeah. said to me at the same time, she's like, I have nothing. Like after the fire was over, she's like, I have nothing for you. I'm like, it's okay. You don't need to have anything for me. And right. so I think upfront in a way, like if we can yeah. be honest of like, I don't have the capacity and sometimes it's true. In the middle, you realize, oh, I don't have the capacity. Yeah. So how do we be gentle with ourselves and honest without making ourselves wrong or dropping the other person? Yeah, it is messy. It is messy. messy. And I think the rules are there ain't no rules. Because I know there was one woman when, when my dog died that was, 
I have never cried like this before. I was like a howling mess. And she did all the wrong things. Like she (laughs) said all the platitudes, but she said it in such a way that it actually was healing. It actually helped me in that moment. But then there's other moments where you could say those, that exact script, like she was saying, she's on another plane. You can still communicate with her. And, but there was, there was some, I think we have to just be as intuitive as we can be and be willing to do it wrong. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. You, I love that you weave into this beautiful essay, what you've been inspired by from Oriah Mountain Dreamer. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that? I get the chills every time I just say her name and her, her famous poem, The Invitation, which, <gasps> yeah. so what, 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 is, what was it about um, that piece that spoke to you? It was so fascinating because I've always, I mean, that poem came out early in the internet, right? Yeah, like 92 or 90 or something. Yeah, 92. Yeah, and and it just, I remember being so struck by it and thinking, who is this woman? And there was no really way to find her. Everyone thought she was this ancient man. Right, exactly. And it's like, oh, wait, she's this hot young woman. (laughs) Exactly. And she has serious fibromyalgia and was bedridden. And so to go through, which I didn't know until I started researching and I was like, oh, this poem didn't come out of like an easy life and isn't, and that's why it's so powerful is it's not a platitude. It's not like they're there, it's going to be okay. It's let's show up in the not okayness. Let's bring forward the depth rather than the crust, as I as I call it, and and that that poem came out of. I think it was finding out a friend of hers had an incurable disease, so she's dealing with her own health, chronic, like not getting. She's not getting better, and finding out about a friend, and so that was the the confluence where that poem came together. And as I reread that poem with that information. Wow. It made more, it made it even deeper for me of like, this is coming from the heart of somebody who really does know suffering and has transmuted it, Mm. not bypassed it. This, this line that you, or this little stanza that you put in your, in your essay is from, from Oriah. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if you have been opened by life's betrayals or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. So and then good. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it's not pretty every day. And if you can source your life from its presence, oh, honey, what does that what does that mean to you? Mm. Mm. It is that place of settling in to be in life, mm. and to go through the the tempering 
Now, one of my favorite tarot cards is the temperance. And it's a, an image of mm. a woman usually holding fire and water. And the meaning of the card temperance is about letting life temper us like steel. And that the way steel becomes stronger is heat and pressure. Mm. And that it's that heat and pressure that creates the strength and the resiliency. And I feel like from my experience with the, the losses that I've had over my life and the great thing about aging, like, yay, yeah. <laughs> is that you learn how to perks. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We learn how to go into the fire. We learn to, to know this is going to temper me. Oh. And oh, I, I will come that. out stronger and more resilient and more loving. And that, you know, I feel like that is what Araya's invitation is and what my invitation to myself has become, which mm. is let it temper you instead of running or <sighs> instead of trying to hold all of it. Because so often with pain and suffering, we either try to go around it or bypass or we cycle it. We don't let ourselves actually feel it all the way. We just tell ourselves a story. Oh, so wait. All right. So there's the say that again, the, like there's sort of the avoiding it or there's the cycling in it. And or it's like, a, that's also avoidance. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like there, there is kind of a, a beginning, middle and end and a path. And it's hard to know sometimes it's, we don't, we don't exactly know, but there is, it's like, I remember watching a friend of mine go like her feelings got hurt. And she was like, and I was like, oh God, oh God, I think I said something. Probably, I probably said something. And she was like, wait a minute, hold on. And she was like, and I could like watch the pain move through her. It was like she winced. And then she was like, and then there was a little shudder. And, and then it was like, whew. she's like, okay, all right, I'm here. It, it was like, oh, that's what it that's what it looks like in sort of a very skillful way to to not go no 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 i'm fine and to have to compartmentalize self or to let it hit other pain and then recycle and become explosive and wild and destructive or yes. to simmer and to take her into despair it was like what if it's like this thing that can wash through us and like i watched her get tempered in real time which was extraordinary. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to say um, what you just uh, kind of echo the words that you say towards the end of your piece. And I recommend that everybody go to your Substack again, it's Heather. Remind me of the Heather Ash dot Substack dot com. Heather Ash dot Substack dot com. So everyone sign up for this. Here's um Heather's Heather Ash's prayer. My prayer may my tears to may my tears water the soil of my depths. 
May my, I'm saying it wrong. May my tears to water the soil of my depths. May my sorrow to carve more beauty into my being. May my grief to hollow out my heart to hold more healing. May loss to empty me of illusions so I can see and embrace the suffering all around. And there's more. May my despair to, dis to dissolve my old armoring and open me into embodying poignant vulnerability. May I look into your eyes and see your lived experiences, the joy and the pain. May I stand silently in the presence of your grief with love and tears. May we all to stop trying to bypass the hurt. Mm. Mm. I know this is going to likely become part of a next book. I mean, you're, you're, one of your most recent books was about the warrior goddess, the warrior goddess training, and what an opportunity to put this into action. Um, and you've got a writing retreat coming up. Let's talk about some of the things, some of the ways people can interact with you. Um, Shamanism and the Divine Feminine Retreat in Sedona. Yeah, tell us about that. Yes. Uh, so I have a couple live events uh, over the, the next, the rest of the year. So that is the, the only one in the United States. So I've been teaching in Sedona for the last, I don't know, seven years. And there's this just magic that that place is. Uh, and we do a deep dive Friday, Saturday, and Sunday around exploring what does it mean to access the divine feminine? What does it mean oh. to bring that sense of creative flow, emotional healing, rootedness, joy into our lives? So mm, it's so good. Mm. So that's September, I think it's September 8th through the 10th is that one. Beautiful. And then you've got um, Wild Willing Wise. Is that what's coming up? That's that, Yeah, that's the next book. So Ooh, this what? weekend, I do the final edit. It's it's coming out 2024. Yeah. And it's so good. It's like it's unlike anything I've written oh. before. And so it was really that was very tempered by the fire for sure. But it's a very funny, like I curse mm. in it. I tell a lot of what? funny stories. I'm yeah, I know. Offended. Unlike me. Right. Um, I curse in real life, but I don't usually curse my books. But this one is just <laughs> really lighthearted. It's fun and deep at the same time. And it's it was inspired by the three archetypes of maiden mother crone. Mm. And then I wanted to make it non-gendered and available to everyone. So wild, how to find your wild again. Ooh. Willing, how to stay steady and sustainable. And wise, how to connect mm -hmm. to our stillness and our compassion. Ah, so. oh, honey, you mm -hmm. are oh, amazing. That sounds incredible. And what can you tell us the latest, like what's happening with your with your property, with your with your ranch? Um, I know you said there's some places. Yeah. There was one little flower that you that you showed that like bloomed somehow. Yeah, there's there's the so much blooming right now. We were very, very lucky in New Mexico because right after I mean, not everybody was lucky, but 
right after the file, the, the monsoons came in force. So for some people, that was even more devastating because they lost even more. And for us, it was the biggest blessing, biggest blessing. We didn't, the creek didn't go too crazy. So um, when we walked the land this spring, the I, I have folks that are up there that have grown up in that area. And they're like, we've never seen some of these flowers in 50 years. So there's so much coming up right now. It's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And there's and there's still places that we're like, I don't know what we're going to do here, but we'll try. So I'm I'm getting some really good support. And that's what the next Substack article is going to be about is the regeneration process and what I've been learning and these mind-blowing women and what they're doing in terms of soil restoration in New Mexico. It's so I'm excited to write that one because there is the like, and here's the other side. Talk about, I mean, a lot of the the Toltec work, which I know is part of your origin place, or one of your origin places, and is there's so much of a of the walk with the angel of death. And you know, it's it's kind of easy to hold the angel of death as like a concept out there, but when you've had something that you cherished that was so important that was taken. And then to have the courage and the wildness to, to come back to life, to not, not that you ever stopped being alive, but to come back into creation after things having been taken. How, what's, what is your process in that? Or how do you, how do you see, how do you see that? It's such a good question. You know, you what I've seen is that we often don't know what how rooted we are in our own practice and our own teachings until something big happens like this. Um, and I've been yeah. like deeply in relationship with the angel of death and with mm -hmm. fire as well as a firewalk instructor and trainer. So right. <gasps> Oh fire God. yeah fire walker holy yeah. jesus i hadn't even put that together yes so when the fire came it was really interesting kelly because about three weeks before the fire i got i just knew i'm like we're we're gonna lose a ranch like i knew it was <gasps> going through the ranch what yeah and i had so many people that were like oh well we'll pray we'll pray extra hard and i'm like and as you know, because I'm very much like you, of like, I am the most optimistic we can make shit happen. We can do anything. And my body was yeah. like, it's done. There's nothing we can do for weeks before it actually hit. So I just waited and I, I still was like, please let me be wrong. And I know I'm not, but please let me be wrong or please let it go around us. And so I started doing, gathering donations and going to my community and, and, helping other people because it it's so devastated my community very i live in a very very poor area and the, it, the land is everything for the people there and so um i was at the donation center the evacuation center where a lot of people were staying we were bringing supplies to people that had lost everything and i looked at the map because this is a wild thing about technology you could see where the fire was from space so they were mapping it so I clicked on and I looked and it was in my neighbor's field. And ugh, it was oh. so, 
I was like, okay, here it comes. It was coming from the north and it was coming through. And I sat there and cried so hard and just cried and cried and, and was like, no, you can't drive out there. You have to stay. Like, you can't go. You can't go be with your trees. Like, you have to stay here. And then I just got quiet. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? I felt so helpless and just so grief-stricken that there was nothing to be done. And so I sat in my truck and I sang to my trees and just loved them fiercely and just said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I love you. And the fire went through three days. It burned for three days. Yeah. During those three days to, to know that you can't go there physically and you can't like you had to. So, but you did the little piece that you could do, which was sing and pray and, and be of sound mind enough to not run into the fire yourself. So there is some little bit of doing, even if it seems tiny, but there is something oh, for three days. Holy yeah. God. And it, <laughs> so crazy it went through the land it hit my neighbor like the it literally hit the south bar border of the land and came back the wind shifted the winds were going 70 miles an hour shifted came back shifted again went back a third time yeah there's so i mean there's so much around this and what i got in that moment was bring love there's nothing to do here but bring love. There's there's no way to control this or fix this or change this, but I can bring love to the center of the fire, to the trees, to the land, to the animals. Oh, oh, that was some oh. of the heart. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. You said you found some carcasses of some oh, of the deer. It that was wasn't... so bad. Yeah, we would walk and we would find. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't think about that part necessarily. They, the fire was too big. It came too fast. Right. And I was, I was actually at Ginny's house and I decided I wasn't going to go to the land first. I sent scouts ahead <laughs> basically. And my beloved friends, Mark and Franklin came back and I was sitting on the couch and I looked up and Franklin walks away and I'm like, Oh shit. If he can't come talk to me, it must be really bad. And my friend Mark and came and sat next to me. He said, there's no easy way to say, he just grabbed my hands and said, there's no easy way to say this. About 1% is left. Ugh. So the next day I woke up and I was like, I need to go by myself. And so I drove really early in the morning and just started walking and I had one destination. And it's, it was interesting, Kelly, because the firefighters did save our community kitchen and this island of trees. So we have like where the main hub of the land is, is gorgeous. The wow. trees are all intact. We lost a few, but like there's, there's literally an island. And then you walk, you know, 10 feet down the hill and then it's just black. Like along the creek, some of the trees survive. But then I walked to the top of the hill and it's acres and acres of Mordor just gone like gone oh so hard 
And I kept walking because I needed to see one thing. There's a grandma tree on the southwest corner of our property. She's a Douglas fir. She's probably 500 years old. And I had to find, I had to go see. And so I'm walking through the ashes. I mean, literally it's still smoldering. There's still places where it's burning underground. Um, and I was like, please let her have, like, please of every, just let her have survived. I don't know how she could have, but please let her have survived. And I came around the hill and I found her and she survived. So we have that. Wow. And it's, oh, I just sat and like cried. <laughs> she held you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. my God. And so all the restoration now of the land is coming from that soil, all that mycelium <sighs> that we can take and bring to other places. Are you kidding me? Oh, grandma. 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 Oh, so, oh, yeah. I'm so grateful. And there was, there was a time about six months after the fire, she started looking not so good. And I was like, sweetheart, you can't, because what trees do is they'll feed. She started feeding everybody around her, of all her course. babies. And I was like, you can't, you have keep, to stop. Keep some for you. Yeah, you have to stop. And she's made it through. She's totally fine. But I was, there was a while I was like, I can't lose you too. Like you can't do what you're doing. You have to stop at a certain point. And she did. She knew. She knew where the line was. But uh, so intense. Oh my God. It, it, I think there's, oh my God, there's just so much. I just, I, I just, I just love you. And I'm so grateful that you came through this and you've got this even i mean you were wise when i met you 20 some years ago it was probably 20 years ago 21 years ago because i dana and i just celebrated our 21st anniversary and we sort of our partial honeymoon was at garden of the goddess and i met you there and you were working on i believe it was your first book at that time and you were brilliant back then mm -hmm. and but I think you have been like the things that have happened to you just keep tempering you. And I don't want to, I mean, I feel so tempted to just be Pollyanna up the wazoo, but I'm trying not to, but I am just proud <laughs> of out of the, the Phoenix that you are, the out of the ashes goddess that you are. I feel like there's, there's even more love and depth and wisdom that you have to share even even more than before, which was already so much. I mean, in, in my darkest moments, I know my, I, I find myself gravitated to Viktor Frankl because I, I feel like that, you know, there's, it's hard to imagine a human going through any worse than what he went through. And the fact that he could come through with the wisdom that he did and, and it feels like bedrock. It's, it's like yeah. something that time cannot erase nothing can dilute this it's and and what you've come to is is of that ilk it's it's deep 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 grandmother tree level wisdom and and it transmits it's like okay she went through that she's gonna be like i'm gonna be okay with whatever whatever curveball i th i mean i think even like with victor frankel we don't even have to read the whole book we just 
think of him and we're like, okay, I have a breath. We think about you surviving this and it's like, okay, we can do this. We can do this and we can also give some, we know, we know better how to be with people when they're going through their horrors, their nightmares. <sighs> there's this little, there's a quote that I love from Rilke and you may have heard of it. I think you might dig it. I'm gonna read a little piece of it just because it feels like it's, it's one of those things that I've grabbed onto. He says, someday emerging from last, someday emerging at last from the violent insight, let me sing out jubilation and praise to assenting angels. Let not even one of the clearly struck hammers of my heart fail to sound because of a slack, a doubtful, or a broken string. Let me joyfully streaming face make me more radiant. Let my hidden weeping arise and blossom. How dear you will be to me then, you nights of anguish. Why didn't I kneel more deeply to accept you? Inconsolable sisters and surrendering, lose myself in your loosened hair. How we squander our hours of pain, how we gaze beyond them into the bitter duration to see if they have an end. Though they, though they are really our winter enduring foliage, our dark evergreen, our season in our inner year, not only a season in time, but our place and settlement, foundation and soil and home. Wow. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank I feel you. like Rilke would give you two thumbs up. Like you, you've turned you're turning, it's an ongoing thing, you're turning what you've gone through into your winter enduring foliage, your inner, and not squandering those moments of anguish, but being tempered by them. Okay, I don't ever wanna let you go and I'm not ever gonna let you go. Is there anything we, anything else that you wanna say kind of I don't know any any last piece about this and besides wanting to send people send them again to your substack heather dot ash at heather substack ash dot sub, yeah heather, heather ash substack dot com heather yeah. ash dot substack dot com yeah. yeah and if you all are new to substack it's a super easy thing to navigate um yeah there's one more thing and kelly just thank you so much you're such an angel and a dear friend and beloved and i'm so grateful that we've got been able to have this conversation and feel each other's hearts and share our love and our tenacity and our optimism <laughs> and our tears like all of it and you know there's something about when i was going through a really really hard uh end of a relationship, what I learned, what I got is that I wanted to be willing to go through and to heal what needed to be healed because I realized, oh, this isn't about my, this relationship. This is about my life. And what really helped 
was dedicating to myself. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I will be more loving on the other side. I will be more compassionate on the other side. And holding to that, the unknown of like, really, I didn't think I could get through it. But the dedication that this will help me in some way become a more loving, compassionate person. And I think that's the thing that all of us can do is no, we're going to go through times that are going to temper us. You don't, being humans, hard, like (sighs) body loss, grief thing, like transition. Yeah. It's, it's challenging. It's really challenging. And can we use our heartbreak not to become more bitter or closed off or cynical? Yes. I still am incredibly optimistic and may I never lose that, you know, incredible, like delight of being alive. Yes. And May I use, and may all of us use the challenges, and this is what we can hold to, Yes, to become more open and more grateful because we've seen a lot of people get more bitter and shut down. Okay. And I, have... I think it, it's a choice if we do it at the front end. So we can all declare right now with no matter what the good things and the hard things and the in-between things, may they all make us better, deeper, wiser, more loving versions of ourselves. Okay, so this brings me to a little piece of maybe healing clarity right at the end here. I was mentioning this this person that I attempted to be there for. And I and I think as you just said this, this is what was this is what was hard for me. Her perspective was no life just sucks and there is no bright side ever period ever it is all dark all the time period on and on for hours and i was like i don't want to have to be the one to say but what if there it's like oh no 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 like it's a we ourselves in order it in order to i don't even know what i'm saying here i might be saying it all wrong but in order to be people that can be helped during these times we at least need to have some vision of we don't know how we're going to get better we don't know how we're going to become wiser or more loving but at least that's the goal so i think that makes it less of a of a spiraling pit of despair that we're going to suck everybody into. Am I making any sense? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think there's, we don't need to know how. Right. That there's Absolutely. a willingness. There's a crack. There's even a willing. A dot, even if even it's a, a drop. Yeah. The size yeah. of a mustard seed. Right. Yeah. But without that, the absence of that makes for hell hell on earth yeah yeah and there's you know and i think the thing is to is to honor somebody like to honor that that's her experience and that she may choose and she gets to choose yes no amount of like throwing flowers into that hole 
of despair is going to help probably. Sometimes yeah. it does though. This is where there isn't an answer. It's yeah. like you said earlier, you show up yes. and you listen. And sometimes it's like, there is nothing I can say here that's going to help this. There just isn't. There's nothing I can do or be or show up as that's going to help. Right, right. And, and sometimes witnessing. it's like, I'm going to throw a couple flowers in and then. And to pray from afar and hold yeah. the space from afar and do it. Be willing to just be wrong and messy. I mean, that was. I feel like yeah. at least I showed up. Oh. Exactly. At least you showed up. And it's true. Sometimes people that are cycling yes. story want everyone else to agree and pull in. And the only way they feel heard is if you're right. at the same level of despair Ooh. as they are. Right. And it doesn't help if everybody's in the despair pit. Yeah. Unless you're really adept and able to go there and then get yourself out so the other person can follow you. Most of right. us don't have that skill level. So, and it's, you know, yeah, for, it's different. If it's a client who, who yes. is in that space, then I feel like I've been given permission to do things when it's a friend ish. It's like there's, it's harder to know. It's harder to know. And that's where it's helpful. Cause it's so true. I, I totally relate to that of like, it's a client is very different than a friend. Yeah. It's a different dynamic of what the ask is. And so in that case, for those of us that are struggling with, what do I do with my friend to ask? What do you need? Right. There what you do go. You need? Exactly. And to be honest about what it is we can provide. Yes. And do the best we can. I love that your friend said, I don't have it right now. I mean, but God, I'm sorry you're going through this and to just be messy. Mm -hmm. And honey, I just appreciate you so much. I feel like you are a healing elixir. What you're writing, what you're creating, what you're providing is, is an extension of this, of the grandmother tree that survived mm -hmm. this. And you're still young, but you've got the grandmother tree embodied within you. And I appreciate you so much. And, and if there's anything I can do, don't hesitate to ever ask Heather Ash, heatherash.substack.com. Everyone check it out. And her new book is coming out soon. Look for it wild, willing, and wise. And for everyone going through something rough, you know what? We're all going through something or we know somebody who is just take a listen and just drop in and be willing to be a little messy and to not rush the process and to trust it and find the grandmother tree within. Thank you so much, Heather Ash. Sweetheart. Thank you. Sweet dreams, my sweet. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Kelly Sullivan Walden show. If you enjoyed this episode, take a moment to like subscribe, comment, and share it with your friends. My show can be found on Apple iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to border my new book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, go to your favorite online or brick-and-mortar retailer, then head on over to kellysullivanwalden.com tragic to magic input your order number and redeem your bonus gifts. 
I'm also excited to be offering a DreamWork practitioner training. So if that calls to you, go to kellysullivanwalden.com forward slash DreamWork. If you'd like to join me for the live recording of these shows, most Wednesdays at noon Pacific, you can find me on Facebook. If you have a question about your dreams or about how to transform your tragic into magic, email me at kelly at kellysullivanwalden.com. Until next time, remember, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And as you awaken to the power of your dreams, you make the world a lighter, brighter, more beautiful place, one dream at a time. Sweet dreams. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.